Amen. And as they're doing that, I had just one other thing. Thanksgiving is coming soon, and there are Thanksgiving baskets that get donated to uh, the church every year for those who, who feel like they're in a situation who would need it. Shan Breyer heads that up each year, and all you have to do to get on the list or to get someone you know on the list to receive a Thanksgiving basket, and it's a, a turkey and potatoes, and, and the whole it's basically a, a, a whole Thanksgiving dinner. You just have to call Shan Breyer. Her number is in the bulletin because she's one of our life group leaders. So you can, that's probably the easiest way to do it, is just grab bullets and look for her name and give her a call. She'll put your name down, and then they will arrive the week starting Monday before Thanksgiving, right? The Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And so if you're interested or if you know someone who could really benefit from a Thanksgiving meal this year, uh, you want to put their name on it uh, and just connect with them on how to get it. They, they all get here. Uh, unless somebody wants to head something up, we've never had a way to deliver them. Um, occasionally we'll, we'll, we'll deliver a few, but if you, if you feel like, boy, I'd like to not just be part of this, but maybe I could deliver those that need to be delivered, come and see us too or get with Shan. Okay? Amen. Amen. You, you know, it's amazing how many people remember to change their clocks back in the fall <laughs> and how many don't remember to do it in spring. You know, many people come in late in spring, but I think only once in all my years have I seen somebody come in an hour early for service on fall back day. And it was really fun. They were visitors that day, too. And we're in the middle of worship practice, and they came in the door, and and they were sitting down. And after we got done with the song, I stopped, and I said, did you forget to set your clocks back? And they just, you know, big, big bright eyes. And and sadly, they, they said, well, we'll go out and grab some breakfast, and they never came back, so... But, uh, but we are all here, and uh, the clocks are right. So that, that's good that that's right. Otherwise, I'd have to say amen already and be done. We've been going through a series. I've enjoyed it personally, and this morning we're coming upon uh, one of the last in our series, His Return is Our Urgency. We've talked about the Word of God being our authority. We've talked about... Prayer is our means. Dependency on God is our posture. Service, talked about serving man and, God, and, and others. So this morning we're going to talk about why, we, why do we do all these things? His return is our urgency. Great way to start that is to say Jesus is coming back. Right? Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. Now if I could just put a date on that, I might get your attention. Maybe not. Harold Camping did that earlier this year. May 21st was his date. I remember that was a Sunday because we, we were here and we were still here. And so, I, you know, some were kind of surprised that, that the date was wrong. And then he said that, that, uh, that he had missed it and it was going to be October 21st. I don't know if you followed that because the, the publicity kind of went down after Jesus didn't come the first time. And October 21st came, well, I actually checked on him on his website, and, and uh, you know, he was convinced. I, I, I heard some interviews with people on his staff and people that knew him. Really believed the man was absolutely convinced uh, on his message. He, he was dumbfounded on his message he was giving. If you go to his website, it's very sad. He's, he, he repented. He apologized for the things he said. and a very old man, but he had our attention for a while, but... I think mostly because we just disbelieved it. Most of us in here really didn't probably go, man, maybe he's going to come back. 
we've believed it, and many of us even kind of mocked the date, because one thing we've learned is if somebody tells you the exact date that Jesus is coming back, that's probably not the date that Jesus is coming back, right? That's what we've learned, and, and, and you know, we, we've learned that well because we, we've learned to not date pick. You know, we need to avoid those things. I've been on a, a quest for a couple of weeks, not even realizing, or not connecting the two, I, I realized, but didn't connect to, I've been reading the book of Revelation in my personal study time. And um, that's always an interesting journey. Uh, I've also been listening, since I was in Revelation, I've done some, some uh, Chuck Missler studies, because he's always got some interesting insights into the book of Revelation also. But uh, I, I appreciate those who look at the prophetic and the return of Christ that say, don't get stuck on a date because we don't know the day nor the hour that he's coming back. But we've missed part of the point of looking ahead at his coming. We've, got, we've bought, I believe, so far into not picking a date that we stop talking about his coming altogether. And we've gone to, aren't we so good at this? We've gone to the other extreme once again. You know, how many times in your life or in lives around, we see we, go, we come to this one extreme and then we come back to the other and, you know, Lord, help us to, to ferret out and understand both sides. We're not supposed to be predicting the date. I remember in 1988 I was alive and actually a Christian at that time. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88. I forget who wrote that. Does anyone remember that one? It's not a bestseller anymore. It's actually very cheap on Amazon.com. He didn't come. He didn't come. People looking to predict the date. But in that point of looking to the return of Christ and falling on the other side of the spectrum, really just kind of going, you know, just, we, we just don't know. We just don't know. We stop looking for the date. We stop looking for the day that Christ returns, and we're missing part of the point that Jesus had for us. And this is really interesting. Jesus wanted us to be looking for his return. Matthew 24, 42 through 44. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. I encourage everyone to, to, if you're not in a life group, find one this week and attend. It's going to be a great time talking about the return of Christ. Talking about being ready will expand in, in our expound a little bit in our life groups, Matthew 24, because reading a little bit before that is really good. But let's go to Luke 12:40, and I'm just going to read this one. Don't turn there because it's real short. Jesus said, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Be ready, it says. And now Mark 13. If you want to go there, we'll read a few verses together. The Word of God is, is so powerful, and it is our authority. So we're talking about this, of course. The word of God. Mark 13, 32 through 37. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, 
whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I just say to everyone, watch. Jesus wanted us to watch. Some of you lock your cars. Some of you lock your houses. Not all of you do. We know this. We live in Big Bear, but some of you do. Do you, those that do, do you only lock it because you heard down the street the neighbors got robbed? Or do you just lock your car all the time? Do you lock your door? If you live down the hill in the city, you lock your house, you lock your car all the time. Not because you know you're going to get robbed tomorrow night, but because it could happen. Always looking, always being prepared. Jesus told us to always be prepared. Thank you very much. My throat is very dry this morning, so forgive it. Forgive me. If anyone actually has a throat lozenge, that might be really helpful. You know, when we talk about the end times in in preparation, about 10 are going to be thrown at me any second. I hear them. I hear them rustling. The winner! I told you. I know this is rude, but... Ricola. Now I'll slosh this around in my mouth. I apologize, but my throat is really not good this morning. My, my two littlest ones are sick, and kids love to share. As we're talking about the return of Christ. You know, I was really tempted to go into a, 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 a long teaching about the end times and was going to give you the entire teaching in 20 minutes, everything there is known in the end times. And we know we can't. We can't learn about the tribulation and the millennium and whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, a-millennial, post-millennial, pre-millennial, and all the different views, viewpoints that go into the end times not to mention all the things leading up to that and the Antichrist. And, the, let's, and let's go ahead and go start to talk about the 70th week of Daniel and how the first 69 weeks already happened and now we're waiting for the 70th week. And it's just... How about the four horsemen? Four horsemen, seven seals, trumpets. There's a lot. We know all that we need to know. You know, the Bible gives us all these things. But a big reason to give it to us is that we'll be looking forward. Jesus is coming back. Amen. He is coming back in the flesh, in reality. It's not just something we, we dream of. We believe in the real coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a millennium coming up, a thousand years, and I don't know how that's going to live out, but I know it's going to exist. But Jesus wanted us to be ready and to be watching for his return. This morning, I desire to return us, to return to a place where Christ's return is in our mind. It's in our hearts. As believers, I think that we need to be in a place that Christ's return is one of the driving forces of our life and our conduct. So much of the, of the New Testament and even Old Testament was given prophetically looking forward to that day If so much was given in that, why should not we be concerned about it? Now, I am not one who 
really enjoys getting lost in the details and, and just preaching all the different ideas of the tribulation or no tribulation and, the, and, and those things. I enjoy going there sometimes and studying it. But what I believe God wants us to do is be ready and to be looking forward to his return. So we're not going to get lost in the details this morning. God spent a considerable amount of time and space in his word dedicated to the second return of Christ. Of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, dozens of chapters, entire or dozens of verses, entire chapters dedicated to his return, that the Son of Man would come again to be ready. Second Thessalonians, parts of, of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2 in Second Thessalonians, dedicated to the end times, to the return of Christ, and the things going to lead up to it. In, in the book of John 14, 3, specifically, I like this verse, it says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus went away. He didn't leave it a secret. I'm coming back again. When he ascended in the book of Acts, he says, why do you you keep watching? In the same way he went, he's going to come back. The disciples and the people that lived in the time and the writing of the Bible, this is interesting, for them, the return of Christ was not a story. It was, not, it was imminent. They lived like any second he could come back. And look what they did because of that. Because they believed that his return, they believed that they were going to see it in their own lifetime. And because of that, it was driving them, driving them to be faithful to the teachings, to be faithful to God himself. That same urgency needs to drive us because he may come tomorrow. Remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus when I was just a boy, I sang the song, and you know, surely soon, surely soon, Jesus is coming, surely soon. Maybe at midnight, maybe at noon, Jesus is coming, surely soon. I believe it's an old, 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 old Baptist song for the kids, and, and that stuck with me. Even wandering off from Christ, Jesus is coming. It could be at midnight. It could be at noon. Some of you got saved and, and came to Christ maybe in the 70s and will remember those really well-done movies, Thief in the Night. Two men walking up a hill. One is taken, the other left standing still. This has been at, at the heart, but there's something interesting happening. It appears to me much of the church where one day was looking for the return of Christ, has stopped looking. I don't think the enemy wants us to look for it. I don't think he wants... Because when we truly believe something is going to happen, you get ready. Contractors, concrete is coming in the morning. It's a busy day. It's a busy day. I've, been, I've, I've helped pour concrete. It's, I've, I've, they call it concrete madness. When you're waiting for the concrete to come... You're running around. You're getting everything ready. You've got your screed boards. You've got everything all ready because it's coming and you've got to work fast. Jesus is coming. Are we working as though we really believe that it could happen? 1 John, the book of Peter, 2 Timothy speaks that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times. We're, we're living in some perilous times. I don't know if it's the end, but the times are perilous. Many of the 
of the things leading up to the coming of Christ are happening today. But I have to say, many of the things that were needed to take place in the coming of Christ happened in years past. Napoleon was the Antichrist. And so was Hitler. So was Kissinger. Many people have come on the scenes, and, and we really looked at because, but why? Because we're, the, the Christians were in a posture of readiness. They were looking for his return. And we need to be continuing to look and being ready, not getting lost in the details. Well, maybe it's him and maybe it's not, and because that, that's just a, a waste of time. And there's even a, a teaching and understanding for some that we as Christians will never even know the lawless one. And there's scriptures that would lead to that so that we'll never even know who he is because we'll be taken out before that possibly. Again, that's just a teaching. So why did... God spends so much time. Three reasons. Not there's, there's more, but three reasons that I see why God spent so much time. The writers of the New Testament focused on the return of Christ. The first one, for vision's sake. For vision's sake. He wanted us to look forward to something. In Proverbs 29.18, doesn't it say, Without a vision the people perish? Looking forward to the end of a deadline is what keeps us on track. If you've ever set goals in your life, if you don't have those, those goals, you'll never reach them. And, and so there's something about a vision in Christ's return to live right and to faithfully live for him until he returns. It's part of the vision that we have. If I don't have a vision that Jesus is coming back, then my life is most miserable. If this is all there is at Christianity today... Joining with you, and as much as I love you, this is a bummer. You know, you guys spending this much time having to listen to me every week, what a bummer. But we look forward to the return of Christ, and that's what drives us. When we stand up at our, at our, our Thanksgiving weeks and Christmas weeks with our family and that aren't Christian and they're getting drunk and they're ridiculing us maybe for our faith, why on earth would we stand for that if we didn't have a hope of the resurrection? Jesus is coming. And it needs to be also, it gives us impetus to do other things. For vision's sake, Hebrews 12, 12, Jesus had vision in his own life. Hebrews 12, 12 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He looked forward, not to, the, not to the pain, not to the punishment, but he looked forward to the joy. And we are his joy. But not just here on earth. We are his joy that we would live with him forever, that he would conquer death and hell. The joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. Why ought not we endure our cross? Endure the things for the joy set before us because our joy isn't this place. And I've been in some beautiful, beautiful places. And this earth is, a, is amazing. And we live in Big Bear because it's beautiful. It's not, certainly not for the money. It's beautiful up here. There's certain things that are offered in this, in this community. And I love what Keith Green said. He said, it took God six years to create the earth and everything in it. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, he went away to prepare a place for us called heaven. 
And he's been working on it for 2,000 years. If that's the case, then what we're living in is a garbage can compared to what's waiting for us in heaven. Glorious. We need to have a vision. A vision to give us reason to, to go on. Endure. That's one of the reasons he, over and over and over, the writers talked about he's coming. Be ready to have a vision. The second reason is for conduct's sake. For conduct's sake. Who's ever needed, absolutely needed, to lose weight. When you need to lose weight, when you need to eat right because you've got, you've got diabetes, and, and the th- if you don't eat right, you could die. It's amazing how your conduct can change. He, he told us that he's coming, to, coming again for our conduct's sake. 1 Peter 4, 7. Let's go with 1 Peter 4, 7. You know, I really believe that my children love me. I really believe that. And if I said, be at the house at 4 o'clock because you love me, most of the time, they're going to be at the house at 4 because they love me. But if I tell them, at 4.01, we're getting in the car to go to Magic Mountain, they will not miss it. (laughs) You know, we love God. He loves us. But there's these other things that keep us kind of walking the narrow road sometimes. And one of it is he's coming back. His return is close. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. You know, he means serious about the tasks. Don't make light of the tasks at hand. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want us all to be just you know, somber and never tell jokes. I wouldn't qualify. I'd be in trouble. But serious about the tasks at hand. Sober, another verse says. Be sober, right-minded, and watchful in your prayers. And, and the whole First Peter 4 talks about living a certain way, but I'm going to keep going after verse 7 here. It says, Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Because the end is at hand, Jesus is coming back, all the more have love one for another. We should be showing it, telling each other. You know, when people are on their deathbed and they're calling people to themselves, that's so often when you hear, I never told you, but I love you. You know, we're on our deathbed. The end is at hand. Have love for one another. Let that rule so much that we forget about the pettiness and the hurts that we've legitimately had. Some of the hurts people have truly hurt. But let's forget about them. And let's let love drive us. Colossians 
in the book of Colossians, it, all, it talks, the whole book really talks about Christ and his preeminence. It talks that Christ is above all. He's above philosophies. He's above government. Christ is, is above legalism. We should have Christ and not legalism. But in 3.14, it says, leading up to, and Colossians is a great book, verse 3.14, chapter 3.14 says, but above all these other things, put on love. It's the bond of perfection. Because Christ is returning, we should love, truly love one another. It's going to help drive us. And if we go back and see, go back to the weeks leading up to this message, prayers are means, ministering and serving one another. These things are the reason Christ's return is what drives all those other parts. His return is coming. Back to 1 Peter 4. It says, Love will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. Amen. I've hurt some people in my time. And I'm, I'm thankful for not just God's love, but love of people. Their love for me covered over my sins to them. People have hurt me. I pray that my love for them have covered over the sins to me. And that's why you can still be in relationship with people. Love is so important. Continue on. Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Got to put that together. Some of you leading, hosting maybe your life groups. You know, oh, I'm going to have them in my house again. I'm going to be hospitable. I hate it when they leave because it's so dirty. Without grumbling. Truly be hospitable. For some of you, you go, that's no problem. And others of you, that's really difficult to invite somebody into your home. Maybe to put them up. You know, in the times this was written, Christians were being persecuted like crazy. They had lost their homes, were being herded in different places. And you had to truly let people come and live with you and stay. Some of those things are happening again today, aren't they? Families beginning to get together. We have to work on the grumbling part probably a little bit. But we're going to be forced into learning to be hospitable once again. God wants us to live like this because Christ is coming. And people are reached and loved through your hospitality. Verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What has God given you? He's given you so many things. It might just be your personality that he wants to use right now because you have a great personality and that personality needs to be stretched onto somebody who's less than desirable to spend time with. Be stretched. Be a good steward of what God has given you. Some of you have that extra room and you're supposed to open it up and give to those. Some of you have the car that gets good gas mileage that you need to lend to somebody because they have to drive to a doctor's appointment. What gifts has God given you? Use them as a steward. Stewardship is so difficult for me. The hardest one for me is this. I'm only a steward of my kids. I'm only a steward of my kids. They're God's. That's a hard one for me, truly. To really go, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to raise them, but God, they're yours. And if you call them off, to Africa for more than just two weeks. 
I'll let you go. And just be a good steward. What is it that God has given you that God wants you to live open-handed with? Now, it doesn't mean without thought. We don't throw our pearls before swine. But we do need to use the gifts that God has given to minister to others, especially because the time is short. The time is short. We don't know. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And today you need to do something for somebody that will win them to Jesus. All these things, the important, the most important is to share our faith, to evangelize. Because if Christ returns, those who are left on this earth who do not know him will go to hell. There's, you, you, there's no way around that. We can read books that love wins out over and over again, hoping that it's all good and we'll all get there someday. But the Bible is very clear. Unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. His return should be an impetus to us that says, I will not let my friend go to hell. I'm going to share with him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to be hospitable to him. I remember years ago I was driving. It was one of those holiday ski weekends, and I was going the right direction. I was going down, and they were all coming up. It must have been a Friday. And it was, it was just zoom, zoom, zoom. I mean, I'm driving down. It's like, you know, when the cars pass, whoosh, 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 and there was no break in it. And I had just heard a message of, of, how, of how many people were dying and going to hell. And, and I think, it, the, 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 you know, whether it was inaccurate or not, it was one in five people were going to heaven, the other other 80% of the world was going to hell. And so I went, hell, 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 heaven. Hell, 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 heaven. Christ comes. We go to be with him forever. What about Uncle Louie? What about your neighbor? This needs to be the driving force you know, we, we put it off so often. And I'm there. You know, this is not easy to share our faith with people. I put it off and put it off and put it off. But if we live in that thing of maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, we'll learn to make the most, as the Bible says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of it. Step out just a little bit. Love them. Be hospitable. Share your faith. That's why God spent so much time in His Word. The third, we had vision's sake, conduct's sake, and now for perseverance' sake. So he wants us to have a vision, to see things through his eyes, to see things with eternal value, looking forward to the end so that we will finish our race, and that's our conduct. We will, we will fight. We will walk. We will live in such a way as to honor God the whole way, but the other way is perseverance' sake. The end is right there. The end is right. It, we need to persevere. It's coming. It's coming. When I, when I run, or when I used to run, I need to start it again. When I used to run, I would push myself and push myself. Actually, I, I almost died trying to run and pick up Madeline the, the other day. But when I, when, I was, was run, when I would run, I would just look a little ahead because I couldn't run real well. I wasn't built for it. Um, 
And so I would just look maybe a half a block or a block down, and I'd see a telephone pole or a house, and I'd say, I just need to get to that house. And I'd get there, and I'd look a little bit further and say, no, I just need to get there. And I'd just keep persevering because I just kept kept looking at, at my goal. I, if I would have woke up and said, I'm going to go run 20 miles, I would have run 20 steps. I needed something tangible. His return is soon. His return is soon. We need to persevere. Keep pushing in. Keep persevering. It might be tomorrow. When tomorrow comes and he doesn't come, it might be tomorrow again. And keep persevering. Don't give up. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. This time it starts off with the scripture I, I quoted. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. It talks about how the world knows that they'll come and they'll come against us. But we need to continue the things, verse 14, which we've learned and been assured of. We need to continue on. We need to persevere like Paul I've finished the race set before me. We have to, we're in this for the long haul. We need to understand that. We need to persevere to the very end. We don't want to be, as we talked about even in Hebrews, we don't want to be disqualified. We need to go all the way. Always keeping that out. No, Jesus is coming back. Hey, do you want to come out to the bar with me? No, Jesus is coming back. I'm going to make it. I'm not going to fall in the same ways. I'm going to keep that goal ever before me. Keep the vision there. Let his return help to keep us in line in our conduct. I love when it says watching prayerfully. Being a person of prayer but watching at the same time. Loving one another. Being hospitable. Let his return guide our conduct to say, you know what, I'm not going to live the way I used to. I'm not going to live the way my friends lived. My conduct has changed because I'm tied to his return. He's coming back. I want to be a good example. You know, the world has plenty of bad. Let's be a good example to the world of what Christianity is. And our love for one another, our hospitality, our love for them. One of the things I even read, and it just it really got to me. It says, love covers a multitude of sins. Let your love for God and your love for people cover their sins so that you don't tell anybody about it. Let it cover them up so that nobody else knows that somebody wronged you. I hate to say, especially sometimes in the church, as a youth pastor, you know, the kids would say, don't cuss, especially at church. Especially. Yeah, just, guys, yeah, just, when you go outside, cuss all you want. Let love cover a multitude of sins, but especially when you're talking to those who don't know Jesus. Don't go to an unsaved person and bring all the, the bad things that somebody in the church has done to you. Let love cover a multitude of sins. And so that's between God and me and them, and it's not going to go any further. Because the lost need to find Jesus. 
I want to be a road into Jesus, not a reason, an excuse for them not to come to him. Because any day now, the time is set. As, as Jesus goes into his teachings and through the Bible, we say that in the birth pains before the end comes, there's going to be earthquakes in various places and perilous times and pestilence and father will hate son and they'll betray each other and Christians are being betrayed and called out. The time is ripe. We'll see if it happens tomorrow. We're all going to go, but who's going to go with you? Who are you going to take? In your life groups, you've already been hearing about that. Who, who are you praying for? Who are we going to write down on this board to pray for and lead them to Jesus? Jesus' mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. We should have no other first mission besides that. That should be our, our reason. And His return coming soon should be one of the things that will drive us. You're, you might be in here this morning and you're not even sure if you believe in this Jesus. You don't know what you, how you feel. Don't be caught unaware. Because he's going to come as a thief in the night. And it's so easy to make amends with him. It's so easy to get your life right with him, to be born again. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, be saved. Cast your, give your life to him this morning if that's you. Don't wait another day because Jesus could come for all of us or He could come for just you today. You know, we've, we lost somebody just this week. Big Bear Drywall. went. I believe it was this week. He went to be with Jesus. Right, Jeff? It was very unexpected. He was going out to do a couple of bids. Talked to his daughter on the phone. And he dropped over dead. You don't know the day or the hour that he'll come for you or for all of us. What about your neighbor? Don't leave without Jesus. And this morning, don't leave without that commitment again to say, God, I'm going to look for your return. I'm going to live like you're coming back tomorrow. And I'm going to do it every day until you come back. If you don't come back in my lifetime, every day I'm going to act like you're coming back. But I'm going to do it and persevere and live my life for you sold out. Dear Lord Jesus, give us this vision. Help us to see truly and believe and understand that you're coming back for your church. God, help us to see it and envision and let that be the vision for our lives, God, that would then shape our conduct, that we would live for you each and every day. That we would find ourselves in the word, knowing what pleases you when we would do it. We would make the most of every opportunity and share our faith and share your love with neighbors, friends, colleagues. God, I pray that you would strengthen us for the long haul. That we would not grow weary in this well-doing. That we each day would wake up and get to the end of the day knowing that maybe it's today, but we would do this each and every day 
until you do return for us personally or as the body of Christ. God, I thank you for Revelation 19. Hallelujah for our Lord God, Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb is coming. And His bride is making herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, is given to to us to wear. God, we're making ourselves ready for You. We are the bride. Our groomsmen. God, I pray that you would encourage each and every one of us in here personally right now and strengthen us to live for you and to keep our eyes set on you. Help us to encourage one another in the same. In Jesus' name.